0: This episode is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that has developed a simple and straightforward management fee based on profit, not revenue. If you're a hotel owner that believes in a new way of doing business and want to learn more about the benefits of a profit-based management agreement, visit knowinghospitality.com. Now let's get to the podcast.
1: I think the biggest thing I can say, and I say this on other podcasts too, is just just not be afraid. Ask the question that that you want to ask. Welcome to The Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight.
0: This is the third episode in our Diversity and Inclusivity in Hospitality series. My guest today is Dave Barr. He's an author, speaker, and founder of Insightful Living, an accessibility consultancy that helps organizations enhance their systems environments, events, and cultures to be supportive of people with disabilities. Dave has been blind since birth, and much of his work focuses on teaching people that having a disability is not a hindrance, but an asset. This isn't a typical episode of the show. Instead, this week I'm talking with someone who has different needs and travels a lot in the hopes of doing more than simply shedding light on what we can do to better prepare our teams. This conversation centers more on getting inside the mind of someone who's on the receiving end of all the training and preparation that goes into making sure hotels are as accessible and comfortable as possible for guests and employees with different needs than what you may encounter on a regular basis. So let's get to it. This is episode 70 of the Proven Principles podcast, Dave Barr on diversity and inclusivity in hospitality, volume three. Enjoy. Dave, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really excited. Hi, everybody in podcast land. I hope everybody is doing well, wherever you are.
0: Uh, this is uh, a bit of a different show from the typical episodes that we do uh, on the podcast here. You're the first non-hotel worker or non, I should say non-hospitality industry uh, worker that I've had on the show. But the whole idea behind this, and, and you reached out to on, um, was to to elaborate on the, the diversity and inclusivity podcast that I'd, I've done previously, two of the previous episodes, um, to talk about uh, people with disabilities and travel. Yeah. And I think this is such a fascinating and underserved conversation that uh, I just felt compelled to have you on. I, I really appreciate you reaching out to, to do this show, uh, to just shed a little bit more light into your world, your experiences when you're traveling in the hopes of enlightening people that work on the front lines of hotels so that they can make people's stays that much better. Precisely. So before we jump into deep here, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's your, what's your story? Who are you? Uh, who are you and why are you here? Um,
1: hi, everybody. I'm Dave Barr. I was born totally blind. I was born three months premature. I have a fraternal twin who is cited. And uh, I grew up in Colorado in mainstream public schools, K through 12. I went to the University of Denver for a couple of years, then I went to the University of Colorado Boulder. Um, I got a master's in musicology and a BA in psychology. In 2011, I uh, met the woman who would become my wife. Her name was Priscilla. We were married from 2014 to 2017. Um, she was in a wheelchair and had brittle bones and um, unfortunately passed away of a, a brain aneurysm in, in 2017, kind of unexpectedly. Um, but I don't want this to be a depressing episode. It's not going to be depressing, I promise. Um, but uh, I, I we, we kind of had started an idea of doing public speaking and outreach and disability advocacy because, you know, we made up for each other's shortcomings um after she passed away i wrote a book called prave the adventures of the blind and the brittle and prave is priscilla and dave and proud and brave uh and uh we, we called ourselves *Prave* quite a bit actually we're <laughs> like this is what a prave does we, we were a unit we were a thing um and we traveled a lot together and experienced a lot of different hotels and great hotels and not so great hotels and I've traveled some since she passed away and kind of have experienced the same thing. And, um, I was talking with a coach of mine, and we were like, what about talking to people in the hospitality and the travel and the tourism industries? Because there's just so many little, I guess I wanted to kind of, uh, we, we always focused and I focused kind of on like what I call past the ADA, you know, you talk about policies and procedures and, Titles, titles, and things of that, and and what you have to do for the ADA, and I'm like, that's all really important. You know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the ADA, because it was passed just when I was entering preschool. To give you an idea of my age. So,
0: and for those that don't know what the ADA is, could you tell us the Americans with Disabilities Act? Okay. So people throw out acronyms left and right. Yeah, yeah, it's a well-known acronym in the hotel space. Every uh every country, ha- I, I would hope every country has a version of it. So it's not called the ADA in Canada, it's called something else. called something
1: else, but something right. something similar to help people with disabilities. And Priscilla and I always used to say, we're going to uh what, how do we say it? It's on my website, but it's something to the effect of we're going to change the world one curb cut and braille sign at a time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how we we viewed it um and you know we 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 took on as much as we could and that's what that's what we did and so now I'm kind of kind of in her honor legacy memory kind of continuing on and 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 we had really talked you know we had had a lot of experiences like I said with hotels and and good ones and bad ones and funny stories and, and just stuff that happened you know things that you can't make this stuff
0: up. Yeah, right, right. You know, I am curious to know um, as as someone who's been blind their entire life, who does travel uh, extensively from what you're saying. What what are you thinking about before you go on a trip? Like when you're going through the process of of like, okay, I've got a speaking engagement booked, or I want to go on vacation somewhere. What are the things that are in your mind to make sure that you're prepared and that you're, you're looking for the right accommodation when you, when you do get to that place?
1: It's, it's always, uh, the reason I titled my, my book, what I did, because Priscilla and I always used to say, it's always an adventure. Um, and there's always, you know, it just depends where I'm going. I haven't traveled because of the pandemic for a couple of years, but, um, I'm, I'm looking for, a You know, sometimes a good hotel. Sometimes I've stayed at an Airbnb because it's cheaper. I've done that a couple of times. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where my flight's going to be, how I'm going to get around the airport. Am I going to use an app, I guess, uh, called IRA, which is an app for blind people? It's A I R A. It's an app, it's a very cool app. That's a company that allows me to see they can look through my phone's camera and help me navigate they can help me read recipes they can help me read my mail Um, it's been a godsend for me Mm -hmm. and you know am i going to use ira to travel through the airport or am i going to depend on a human guide in front of me and i've done a little i've done a bit of both Um, how many times am i going to ask get asked at the airport if i need a wheelchair Uh, yeah i get that a lot you know when I just say I need a guide to my gate, they're like, oh, do you do need a wheelchair. No, I don't need a wheelchair. Thank you. My my arms and legs work fine. The eyes don't do anything, but the the arms and legs are fine. Thank you. I, I just need it, you know, you try to be nice about it. And sometimes mm-hmm. patience wears thin, but yeah. Um you know when I when I get to a destination, how am I going to get there? Do I take a lift? Yeah it's more expensive, but I'll usually take a lift there instead of trying to figure out public transit and you know it depends where it is um sometimes my my last like vacation was actually to costa rica in 2019 i went with a group of people to do a singing retreat uh with a head of a very cool acapella band called face vocal band they they organized a a bunch of people to go to costa rica and sing uh, for a couple of days and we wrote our own song and um, experienced Costa Rican food and stuff like that. And it was just, it was an adventure I wanted to take. And uh, my Spanish was decent enough. And I had a, uh, actually for that one, I had a travel agent um, who helped me book some fun stuff. I got, I did a, uh, a, a like a large, like animal petting zoo and stuff like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. I did some, I did some zip lining and, mm. and stuff like that on um, things that, you know, it was, that that was kind of my last, you know, the last conference I did was in New York, uh, 19 and, uh, for that, and, and, and getting into hotels here, you know, when I stay, one of your questions, I think, cause we had talked before was like, what do you look for in a hotel? And I think mm-hmm. one of the big things I look for, um, actually the, <laughs> it, it sounds small, but it's not braille signs on the doors, big one. Hmm. if If your hotel has braille room numbers and they're accurate <laughs> um, very helpful mm-hmm. uh, there there are times when I can get an IRA agent to guide me to my room if the connection's good mm-hmm. maybe if it's not I can ask you know a, a hotel uh, and and most people are, are very accommodating and you know do you want help to your room No, I think I'm okay if, if I've done the route enough times I know where it is if when I had my I had a guide dog for twelve years. When I had a dog, it was a little bit easier in some ways to find my room because the dog knew that's where I get food. So yeah. um, <laughs> it was like I get food here. This is your room, you know. And usually, and, <laughs> and then I had a very well patterned, well trained dog, and 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 it was great. Um, or when Priscilla was around, you know, she would be my guide, and you know, with Priscilla, I was dealing with accessible rooms too. Um, what was accessible someplace or what was considered an accessible room in some places wasn't really accessible for Priscilla's needs because Priscilla was unique in her wheelchair situation. Um, She was actually 34 inches tall. She had little arms, short arms, she called T-Rex arms. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like sometimes, you know, a roll in shower is not going to do her any good because she had a power chair. Mm -hmm. Short out the power chair. If you put the power chair in a roll in shower. Right. Um, Right. You know, and. So, so stuff like that. I mean, those are some things I look for
0: when I travel. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you've kind of got two things at play here. You've got the the staff interaction and then you've got the physical plant. Yeah. The way things are built. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, some, especially some of these older hotels, there's very little, they can be done or, or they, you know, they're, they're only required to meet the absolute bare minimum, which is, of, what, they usually, yeah. which is what they usually do anyway. Right. But the, the the staff interaction piece and you know like you're saying standing in an airport and somebody asks you if you need a wheelchair um, it's it's getting staff comfortable in and I guess observant enough to to be able to interact in a way that is exactly the same as they would interact with anybody else only in that it's It's just more tailored to your needs. And we talk about tailoring service to people's needs all the time about, right? It's that ebb and flow of the interaction and somebody, people wanting certain things or not wanting certain things. This is no different. It's just, you just got a different set of needs. And, but the interaction is effectively the same.
1: It is, and it should be. And I think, you know, the important thing to keep in mind is that I just, I, and I'm speaking from, from my perspective, which is congenitally blind. This is all I've known somebody who has low vision or was disabled by an accident or something will have a different perspective. So I I do want to keep, you know, bear that in mind. This is just, these are all my opinions and perspectives. Um, And I think what's important though, I think is to understand that for me, at least, chances are, if you've got a question, if you're afraid to ask the question, you're afraid I'll be offended please, by all means, ask the question because chances are I've heard it before. Hmm. And if you're like, I don't want to offend you, then if if you say, and I've said this before sometimes, if someone says, I don't want to offend you, but that puts me on an automatic defensive, right? right? And so it's kind of like, well, you just sort of raised up my hackles a little bit, but okay. And usually the question is pretty simple. Something like, have you been blind all your life? Uh, do you read Braille? Um, you know, I, I've gotten some stranger ones, but overall, those those are the ones I get most often. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, or or and I, I guess the thing is that people mean I go in, I go into situations. You know, and Priscilla really taught me this: that people mean well. You know, staff mean well; they just don't know what to do sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you know they would ask Priscilla or they'll ask my dad at a restaurant, what would he like to order? And my dad's like, I don't know, ask him.
0: <laughs> um, you know, and, and that happens, that that still happens sometimes. Yeah. What do you think the root of that is? Fear. Hmm. I, I think it's just fear of the unknown. Um, a lot of people,
1: sometimes they, they, they've never interacted with a blind person. Yeah. Like, I get that a lot too. Like, Sometimes, and I, I would rather have someone say like, you're the first blind person I've ever met. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go with that. How yeah. can we work with that? Instead of someone just being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, how can I, you know? And then it, it, and then it takes me, which is perfectly fine for me to say, well, how can I help you feel more comfortable with yeah. this situation? Because I want people to feel comfortable and, and and I want to make them, you know, like my big thing is to, to make someone laugh. If I can make someone laugh, then I've I've really... Taken down that oh God what do I do to offend you type thing I remember Mm -hmm. you you and I were talking last week and I told the story and you started laughing I'm like okay we're good
0: yeah 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 it's true and it's a really good point you know I I can tell you from experience when when we're training people especially on the front lines of a hotel um, you know we talk about all sorts of all sorts of ways to to whether it's to interact with people, whether it's, uh, brand standards and things that have to happen every single time with every single guest. Um, and we do talk about the specific need, the ADA requirements and the specific needs, um, of items like in the rooms in particular for people that, um, can't are, are deaf or blind or in a wheelchair, uh, so that, you know, you can either get in touch with them if you need to, or if there's a fire alarm, you know, what do you do for somebody who's deaf and can't hear it? That, that kind of thing. We talk a lot about that. Yeah. What we don't talk a lot about is making the front of frontline staff comfortable in, in dealing with situations that they don't come upon very often. And the challenge is that you could talk about it a lot, but two things until it happens You've got to put theory into practice, but if you go months or even years in between those situations, you just don't get a chance to develop that muscle memory.
1: And why would you? And to me, that's perfectly acceptable in a way, like you're just going about your day to day. And, you know, we, we, we would have that happen. Uh, Priscilla and I, I'll give you just a small, can I give you a small example? Yeah, please. really kind of basic, at least I guess for me, it's sort of basic, but uh we would check into a hotel and the person would put the key card out on the counter but not tell me that it was there just automatic plop and sometimes i could hear them put it there sometimes not if depending you know, depending on how loud the the background noise was and if you know priscilla would usually say hey the keys in front of you because she couldn't sometimes reach it you know because mm-hmm. sometimes those counters are pretty high up yeah um but that's just a small example of just like oh, hey, the key card's right here in front of you. Or, you know, if you say the key card's right here, I don't know where right here is. It has to be a little more specific. Hey, your key card's in front of you on your right. Mm-hmm. Uh, your key card is at 11 o'clock, is it? if you're looking at a clock. You know, when I, when I get food in a restaurant and I'm with uh, sighted people, I usually ask them, hey, can you give me like the orientation of my food in terms of a clock face? Not all the time. You know, sometimes I'll just explore the plate myself and figure it out. You know, if right. it's a burger and fries, <laughs> two things it's on a plate, <laughs> right? It's pretty easy enough. Um, yeah. but no, it's a more courses than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I, if it helps at all. No, it absolutely does. I think it's a good it's just it's another it's another layer of observance, it's another layer of um, of of presence in the interaction that My people need to favorite. have
1: yeah, and my favorite moments when Priscilla and I would we'd give speeches uh, and do panel discussions for for classes down at the University of Denver Anschutz campus for um, the medical the medical students in there. And my favorite moments were the moments where after the class, the person would come up and say, hey, you know, I never thought about blah, 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 blah. That's what I want to give here on this podcast to people. It's like, oh, I never thought about the person not being able to see what the key card was. Let alone being able to put the key card in the slot. Luckily, there's only four ways those things go in, so I got one and four shot.
0: Process of elimination,
1: right? Yeah. If um, Priscilla was alive, I would hand it to her. She'd give it to me, and then I'd put it in. But yeah, you know, yeah. When it's just me, I'm just like, oh, well, okay. That side didn't work. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> you just keep just keep going through it. Yeah. Um, or if I have an IRA agent, sometimes I'll have them help me. But usually, I'll just put it in. But,
0: yeah, this Ira app is really fascinating. I didn't know that this existed. Um, it's really cool. And I'm wondering, wow. sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, there's another one called Be My Eyes, which is free. I pay for Ira um, because the agents are trained and they can look at certain things. There's another one called Be My Eyes, which is free and it's volunteer-based. It's good. They're both good. They both have pros and cons. I won't get into them here. It's not for this podcast, but... Um, it's it's definitely changed my life and, and 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 things like that. It's you know, during the pandemic, it's like, hey, I need to go through all this stack of mail that I haven't gone through in two months. I should probably get Ira to help me to do it. Right. Or hey, can you read me this, you know, how do I cook this macaroni and cheese? So yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah. I'm thinking, as as,
0: go ahead. I was just saying, I'm thinking about applications um, for staff also, you know, if there's um, if there's, if there's any applications that, uh, that either a frontline employee could use one of these apps, or maybe more importantly, uh, if somebody who's blind works at a hotel, yeah. that's something that we haven't even discussed is, is sure, there's all of these accessible um, practices that need to be put in when you're dealing with customers, right. but and as I mean. an employer, right, that's a whole other conversation.
1: Right. And I don't know, uh, personally, I, I don't happen to know anyone who's blind who works at a hotel, but I would guess that they probably could use an app like IRA to You, you have to be blind to use it. Uh, you know, blind or... And when I say blind, in this case, I'm talking blind or low vision. So if you have some vision, you can still use it. Uh, okay. But I would, I would guess that, yeah, if you need, if you need help reading a computer screen or something like that, Ira can, can help with that, too. I, I don't know specifics. Yeah. I just know from a guest perspective, I guess.
0: Yeah. Is it, uh, so, okay, so we talked about um, Braille room numbers. Yeah. Very helpful. Uh, Another thing that we see with, I mean, Braille room numbers are fairly ubiquitous at this stage, I would imagine. Um, But other items in ways that we communicate with people on property, signage around, around the hotel, you've got reader boards, um, you've got, you know, directional signage, um, notices and things that go up in the lobby to let people know about different things or events that might, they may need to know about menus, uh, specials, things like that. Um, have you, have you seen, well, I guess two questions, like I'll do my best. best. Yeah. Yeah. Two questions. So the first is, what have you seen that's been executed really well, that's worked really well for you and it, in that context? And then is there anything that's, that hotels have tried that have just, that you've experienced, or maybe not even hotels, just in like your day-to-day life, going out to stores and whatnot, that just falls flat, that just doesn't work, like don't even try it? Um,
1: I'm going to go with the second one first. Not really. I found, you know, most people have been very. I have found in life that most people have been pretty accommodating. Honestly, I can't really complain. If uh, Priscilla and I were shopping for something and I wanted to look at it, I'd have to like open up the package of whatever it was sometimes. And Priscilla would be like, "Can can we just open that up?" And they're like, "Sure, no problem." You know, whatever it was. Um, sometimes they've they've done that. Uh, sometimes with a bit of a puzzled look, I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, because usually you can just see the picture on the box. Um, but as far as the first question, it's always, it's always fun to have a braille menu, but, uh, usually the problem that I've noticed is they're sometimes pretty out of date. Um, some by months, some by years, some by I've seen a couple (laughs) by decades. I was going to say some by restaurants, (laughs) that's not even a restaurant anymore. Right. Right. Exactly. Do you still have blah, blah, blah. No, we haven't had that for six years. Yeah. Oh, no, we're an wow. Italian
0: restaurant now. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. That's never happened. Luckily, but, um, but, uh, I think were we talking, I think when you and I started talking about the cheesecake factory, just how big that menu is. Yeah. 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 96. The last cheesecake factory I went to must've been 10 years ago. The menu is 96 pages in Braille. Uh, it, it, it I called it the Bible of, of Cheesecake Factory because it, it was huge. And it took me for, I mean, I didn't go through it cover to cover, obviously. Right. Luckily, I think there was a, a, you know, a contents, and I'm a, I'm a fast Braille reader, so. Um, but I think trying to change that, I mean, people, they, they get a menu and they're like, well, hell, we have it, so here it is, you know. But they don't think about like. So I guess i I've had, you know, decent experiences. I've had some waiters in in places kind of be condescending um my book uh, there's a there's a part in my book where i talk about a waiter in new orleans when we were there um who was really condescending towards both of us and didn't realize he was being condescending until i tipped him Hmm. um but yeah, it was, it was very interesting for him to just talk to us as if we were like little kids when here we were like grown-ups ordering wine, you know? Right. <laughs> um, right. And and we, we got that occasionally, but most of the time, you know, Priscilla and I have a good enough sense of humor to put people at ease. Um, and I try to do that in, in restaurants. Priscilla was always great at asking the waiter's name and stuff. So, I mean, I would say for me personally, you know, I've, I've, I've had it Pretty good. Uh, the the wheelchair thing at the airport is the one that always kind of loves me the wrong way. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I always say that if you want to see people be treated poorly, go to an airport. People with disabilities go to an airport or or a hospital mm. where there's this sort of breeding of condescension that happens,
0: and I don't really know why. Interesting. Um, and you but, put a hospital in that category? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's they, probably they, another they, podcast.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> they, they would talk to Priscilla and I in a, in a pretty condescending manner, and as if we were children and didn't yeah. know what to do. And she'd never had a CT scan. And I'm like, I do this all the time, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we. I went through enough hospitals to last a lifetime, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but uh, that's that's a whole other story.
0: You mentioned on our uh, on our intro call too, uh, people raising their voices. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that.
1: Yes. I forgot about that. Um, (laughs) that does happen occasionally. It doesn't happen as much as it used to, uh, maybe because I'm grown up now, but I know like when I was a kid, people would be like, hi, how are you? What would you like to order? I'm like, I I can hear you perfectly fine. Um, I'm I'm Dave and I'd like the fish and chips, please. You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm right here, right in front. And I'm right here. Um, but that it, it doesn't happen as much as it, as it as it did but sometimes people will do it without even sometimes maybe i don't even realize they're doing it i just kind of you know yeah. and the one that still i'm sorry go ahead no 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 please the one that still does happen if i'm with a sighted person is what would he like to order like oh really um oh. right and sometimes so i'm feeling really snarky i'll be like well he's not really sure he'll need someone to read him the menu
0: first yeah i've done that a couple times <laughs> not a nice thing to do.
1: Well, it, it, I'm but, curious
0: uh, in this, I don't want to put anybody on the spot on this with this question, but I am curious to know from your experience, do these negative, well, I'll just use this a catch-all negative air quote interactions as a, as a catch-all. Do they happen more at a particular style of hotel or establishments rather? So I guess where I'm going is, you know, in, in the luxury hotel universe, there's, it's safe to say that there's a lot more time, money, and energy put into training people, ongoing training. And there's a a lot of time, energy, and money that goes into selecting people to join the team Mm -hmm. that kind of think in a similar way. And they're arguably maybe a little more hospitable than people that Go work at some other establishments. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I'm generalizing here. Uh, We're both generalizing, so yeah. Okay. But and I would it, say yes is the
1: answer to your question. Okay, uh, and just leave it at that. I mean, yeah, because you know. But I think that's interesting. You can right. tell the you can tell the difference. I've yeah. stayed at, at I've stayed at all types of hotels, from the very basic to you know not four or five star, but you know the nice ones let's say in embassy suites you know i consider that pretty nice hotel yeah and uh i've had good interactions you know if i go to a place i i I do look at and make sure that the hotel is a nice hotel but i've also stayed at nice hotel it was a nice hotel i stayed at in california and they kind of talked to me as if i was a kid i was like really
0: yeah yeah i I guess
1: i didn't stay there again i stayed at an airbnb the next time i went there
0: so i guess the point is is that um it's it's exactly the same thing for sighted people. You know, you can have a great yeah. interaction at a at a not so great place and a poor interaction at a great place. A great place. It doesn't. It, it, there's no difference,
1: right? And I think people need to keep that in mind. I am just as normal. I just can't see.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, braille menus talked about um, braille room numbers. Uh, is, is there any other? Any other tech or any other uh, any other practices that you've seen, or I guess maybe maybe kind of taking it in a different direction here, rather than having physical items that are placed around, um, you know, we talked I think on our intro call about escorts, like being offered an escort to a room, or you know, having a service animal with you that can help get you to where you need to go. Um, do you do you prefer it when? an escort to a room is offered or do yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do
1: personally. I think it's a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a bellhop helping you. Do they say that anymore? Bellhop. Um, they do. Uh, help, yeah. Yeah. helping you to get, you know, bring your luggage. I think it's, it, it, it's, it's it for me, it's appreciated. Um, once I've done it a couple of times, like I said, then, you know, if I know where, you know, the elevator is and, and I can get to my room myself then I generally like to, like to do it on my own. Or if I, when I had Katie, it was all right, let's go to the room. Oh, we're at the room. Okay, great.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I, I think so. I think it's, it's just, it's an added layer of, hey, we're watching out for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know
0: That's a really good way to put it. You mentioned something um on, on one of our previous, or our previous call about do not disturb signs. Yeah. And That's I love an this. I don't want to step on your story. So could you, I, I want you to tell the story. This is great. Oh,
1: well, it, it's, it's, More that when Priscilla and I, and I do this now when I travel too, um, would travel for an extended time, let's say it was a conference, we travel for a lot of conferences, we would put the do not disturb sign on the door right away and leave it there. And the reason we did that and the reason I still do it is because we didn't want and I don't want people messing with my stuff. Like, I don't want to go back into my room and find that my toothpaste is on the right side of the counter when it should be on the left. It sounds kind of anal retentive and kind of picky, but if I've got things organized where they are, and let's say I'm running late and I have to pack and somebody's gone in and, and moved my things and I can't find, you know, again, let's say my toothpaste to be just real simple, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. You know, it's, it sounds simple, but I I remember... One or two times they would put a little note under the door that was like, we've noticed you put the do not disturb sign on your door for the past couple of days. And Priscilla and I would just kind of laugh because we were like, if they knew that we were just doing it just so that everything would stay in its place. So like, for example, if Priscilla needed to reach her makeup on the edge of the counter, she could still reach it instead of somebody moving it all the way to the back of the counter. Now mm-hmm. I could grab it for her but there's a matter of pride and independence that goes into traveling together. You know, yes, we worked as a team, but she also had things she wanted to do herself. Um, so that was, that was a big one that we kind of learned just kind of by trial and error. It was like, you know, we're not doing it. We don't do it to spite the staff or like tell them to, you know, go away or whatever in a way we do though, because we want to make sure that things are, are in the right, the right spot for right. us. Um, you know, and I, I, don't want to like leave my safety razor out
0: on the counter and then have it be moved where I can't find it. That's a really good point, and, and even the the thought of like somebody slipping something under the door. You may, if you're traveling today, you would you may not even know it's there, and if it's there, if you do know it's there, you may not even know what it says. Right, and in that case, I would probably get an IRA agent on the on the line and have them read it. Right, but it's um, one it's one more f- step, one more friction point. Yeah, That I imagine, you know, you get enough of those friction points. They they kind of stack up.
1: Yeah, they do. And I, I guess I feel, I, I don't want this to turn into like, wow, I've had all these horrible experiences. No, I haven't. The things I, the things I'm pointing out are things that happened literally like twice, I think, when we
0: used to travel. Yeah. I and think people it's, were, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, what I was going to say though, I, I think that these seem, you know, these are all, um, these are all the everything that we're talking about right now is part of the flywheel effect of of a hotel running where once you spin up the operation and things just sort of coast along there's very little thought put into the reason why something's getting done or is is the thing that's getting done the right way to do it because you just, you know, there's a DND and d sign on the door for a couple of days. You throw a card under the door to make sure that everything's okay. That's it. Like, because you want to clean the room and you want to do a, in some cases, do a, a safety or wellness check uh, right. and make sure that the room's okay. And there's right. so many, there's countless things like that in a hotel that go on. And
1: we, yeah, and we knew that, like, we were like, they probably think we're, you know, like, not okay or something. And I think we might have even said, in, in that particular case, we might have even said, hey, we have that on the on the. On the door, So we know where our our stuff is. So don't, you know, don't worry about us. And they were like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, and and then we're cool with it. So I I think we did maybe say something just because we wanted them
0: to let, we wanted to let them know that we were okay. Right, right, right. And I I think it's just another one of those aha moments. Yeah. Uh, And it it was for us too. It was for me when I was talking to you last week. Uh, Before the show, that that's a it's again it's one of those like blindingly obvious things when somebody points it out to you that you've until they do you've never had a reason to think about it in a different way. And we didn't think
1: about it until we started traveling, and then we're like, maybe we should put that on the door so we don't get our stuff moved around. Oh, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, we learned too. It's you know we are we were teaching each other and and stuff about how how we could travel as a couple together too.
0: Yeah. Um I'd I'd love it if you could just dive in for a minute on some of the advocacy work that you do. Um and if there's any any messaging or tie back to some of the conversations that you have just kind of like out there in the in the world with clients, other discussions that go on, other podcasts that you've been on that are points that might be relevant to frontline workers in a hotel or i have always. I want to make sure that we include this, or people that work at hotels that have that have special needs, different needs.
1: I think the biggest thing I can say, and I say this on other podcasts too, is just just not be afraid. Like ask the question that you're that you want to ask. You know, hopefully, be tactful about it. But I think. What what I try and, and say is like some people I've had people say, I, I I know I should be politically correct. I'm like, you know, in some cases political correctness isn't isn't all it's correct up to be. Please just by all means ask ask the question. If I'm if I'm comfortable answering it, I'll I'll answer it. If not, if I'm not, and if you know something like that, then I'll tell you, you know, if something offends me. Um I'm a pretty straight shooter when it comes to stuff like that. That's kind of the message I would put out is if just, if you're just not sure what to do, admit it. And just like, I don't know what to do. Um, Priscilla and I, when we would encounter a situation, we'd never, we would sometimes literally look at each other and be like, okay, how are we going to do this? Um, And I think that's the biggest thing is just know that everybody is, everybody has their own needs. Everybody has their own fears and comfort levels and, and things like that. And for me, it's just don't, for me personally, it's, it's don't be afraid to ask those questions that you think that you think are are questions that I, I would be afraid to, to know,
0: to to give the answer to, does that help? Yeah, it absolutely does. I think it's a great message and it's, it's, um, striking me right now that it was, effectively the same message that came out of the first diversity podcast that we did and the second diversity podcast that we did. Yeah. That's
1: actually what inspired me that I was like, wow, Kirsch said the same thing. I I think I should email this guy and say, Hey, do you want to talk to somebody who has a disability? Because I think there's so much fear and I'm just as fearful sometimes of things. I don't know myself either. And I'm just as human as the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I, I think those are the things people are so fearful of what they don't know and that's just like well, you'll never know unless you ask.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, Dave, this has been a fascinating discussion. I really appreciate you kind of giving us a a glimpse into your world um, and and what I hope is is presenting some you know some stories and anecdotes and scenarios that uh, is just going to help people that work on the front lines of, of hotels and, you know, any, any a restaurant, any sort of hospitality business, um, you know, just be more mindful and think about things in a bit of a different way.
1: Do I, do I have to have him to tell the Brown Palace story? Please do. Yeah. This one, I think I put in the book. Um, Priscilla and I decided to go to the Brown Palace in Denver. It's a very nice hotel. Uh, and to make a very long story short, of which I never tell short stories, they asked us if we wanted dog amenities. Because I have my, my guide dog, Katie. And we were like, sure, no problem. And, uh, you know, sure, why not? Well, the guy who brought the, the thing in, I don't think spoke very good English. And Priscilla was in the other room. This was a suite we were in. She was in the other room doing something or other. And he's like, dog amenities. I said, okay, great, thanks. He sets it down. I didn't even, like, hear him set it down. He closed the door. Well, and this is just funny. I didn't know what was in front of me. It turns out it was a replica on a, very, on a smaller scale of a Brown Palace bed. Hmm. I picked, Priscilla goes, okay, Dave, bring it in here. And I thought, okay. I picked it up. This thing was not made of steel. It was made of wrought iron. <laughs> it must have weighed literally maybe 60 pounds. Oh my God. So I came, I said, all right, oh God. And I started walking into the bedroom with it. And Priscilla started laughing because she said later, she said, the look on your face was like you were going to have a hernia or something. <laughs> I'm had just been carrying this thing like around my shins to set down on the on the floor in the bedroom and you know it wasn't that far it was maybe i don't know 20 feet or something but oh my god this thing was heavy and i just i didn't even think to have the guy set it in the in the, in the bedroom yeah and we set it down and what does my dog do they had put a thing of dog treats on the top of the bed and so my dog katie is over there sniffing and drooling over the treats. <laughs> so <laughs> she's her, her her head's going sniff, 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 over where the dog treats are uh, and I'm just going like, oh, my God, that thing is heavy. And I am not moving it ever again. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell that story because it's a fun story. And uh, we didn't I don't think we got Kate to sleep on the bed like at all. I think she slept on the floor, but they tried. Yeah. I want, I want the people at the Brown Fowls to know that they did a great job. They tried. It was hilarious to just see me. God, it's heavy. To bring the thing in. And that was the
0: story I told you last week. And I had to yeah. I love that story. That that's so funny. Um yeah, I mean I could I I could picture I could picture that happening in the room. I could picture I could see the bellman bringing it up to the room. Yeah, yeah, everything about it. It, it was it was great. Yeah. It was hilarious. It was a story we told for years and I just, I love it. Um, Dave, if anybody wants to learn more about what you're up to or get in touch with you, where should they go?
1: Yeah. Um, so, in hyphen sightfulliving dot com is the is the web address, and I've got a LinkedIn, and then there's a, a page to my book as well.
0: Okay. And your book uh, brave is available on Amazon.
1: It's on Amazon, and I did an audio version of it, which is available on Audible. I narrated it myself. That was oh. a very tough but rewarding experience.
0: I love that when uh, when the author reads their own work on Audible, it just it lands so much better
1: yeah it was it was difficult i won't lie but it was it was its own adventure but i you know because the book was a catharsis for me it's a pretty raw book and it's not a children's book and uh but it it was definitely an experience to read it out loud again and record it
0: yeah well, i urge anybody to, to go pick it up i'll link to everything down in the show notes if people want to find it so dave appreciate you being on the show and enlightening us
1: thank you. I hope it's been beneficial. And thank you everyone for
0: listening. This was my episode with Dave Barr. You can learn more about him at insightful-living.com or on LinkedIn. I'll link to both in the show notes. To hear past episodes or check out our other content, go to the provenprinciplespodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.